You're listening to DraftKings Network. Golik and Smetty here, and I had one major complaint about Florida. Only one? Welcome to yet another edition of Golik and Smetty. They continue to let us do these, so we will continue to do them. <laughs> I'm Mike Golik Sr. She is Jess Matana. Uh, again, for those maybe joining us new who haven't joined, we are both uh, Notre Dame alum, I in 85 and Jess in 2016. So she is a mere child. She's as old as my youngest, which Aww. makes this spot. Oh, don't say ah, because you rip me because <laughs> of, you age shamey all the time. So I don't no, want to hear You made that. it sound sweet, though. It was nice. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I try to make it sound sweet, yet you're the one that takes a sledgehammer to this relationship. I, yeah, but, that's, uh, that's true. But that's okay. So you just came off of uh, a vacay, right? So how, how are we feeling? Normally, when you come off a vacation, you need another vacation <laughs> to rest up from the vacation you were just on. That's accurate. I, I'm still like, it's not even really a vacation. So I was in Charleston visiting my other podcast co-host, Kate Fagan. We did a little photo shoot for our podcast, Off the Looking Glass. Um, and we, we got to hang out a little bit. And But we did have to do some work as well. And here I am. I'm, I'm still in South Carolina working again because I, I never stop working, Mike. I am just such a hard worker. Um but I also was able to squeeze in some some fun outdoor activities between working. And, and we were also here for Easter visiting my, my family. So I got to play a little bit of pickleball. I got to go kayaking. Uh, I was supposed to play golf, but like the Masters, we got rained out on Saturday. So, you know, I've just been living the retirement life down here. And I am loving every second of it. Yeah, except you keep working in the word that you were working. So let's cut through that Well, bullshit. I am working very yeah. hard while yeah, I am. What, yeah. what? Ever. Doing so that's been a that's been, activities, but that's been another thing that's been going on is you you and Kate Fagan do off the looking glass and you and I do Golik and Smeddy. It seems it turned on, on on to Twitter for a little bit of we are vying for your loyalty of mm-hmm. listen, you, you can't you can't be a hundred percent loyal to two podcasts. That's just, not you, true. You just can't, Jess. So at some <laughs> point you're gonna have to choose. So I know you're out in Charleston. Kate Fagan is whining and dining you out there to try was, and make sure. I was you're with you in I was with you in Phoenix uh, like a month and a half ago. You Mike. had to because of your job. You had to because of your job. You're in Charleston on vacation visiting your friend Kate Fagan, laughing and having a good time. <laughs> so how am I supposed to compete with that? What am I supposed to do? Because you can't show loyalty 100 percent to two different sides. You just can't do it. You know, I think we should just, th- this is reminding me of, of the, the biblical parable where the, the two women are claiming ownership of yep. the baby and the king says he's going to cut the baby in half and the yep. one woman's like, no, you can have him. And that woman's the, the real true mother because she right. never let the baby Never let hurt. it happen. Yeah, yeah. I, think you, I think we need to go in front of some sort of magistrate and thre- someone has to th- threaten to execute me, I guess. Oh, I'll threaten to do it. I will. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll do it right now. I don't care. Right. I, it's fine by me. <laughs> All right. So I think I think that proves that I should probably be loyal to Kate. <laughs> probably. Yeah, that's probably the safe bet, I would say. I'm right. glad you've been playing some pickleball because uh, I've been out. We, Chris and I and my wife have been playing some pickleball. And that's that's really what we're gearing up for. We were playing with Sydney, my daughter Sydney, and her husband, Ben. Uh, we, we play against anybody we really can. We haven't played as much as we have liked to. I've been doing more traveling than I thought. But... 
at the end of the day, it's going to be the older generation kicking the younger generation's ass. I don't know who your partner is going to be, but you're going to have to take on my wife and I. Maybe when we're out at the golf tournament, our, our, our the Golick Family Foundation yeah. golf tournament out at, in Ooh. Notre Dame in June, uh, there might be a little side hustle bet going on. That's not a bad idea. So I... I don't know about you, but do you ever play pickleball just one on one, or do you always play with a teammate? We've always played with. I've always played with a teammate because we've always had like four. Um, I'd like to try it alone a little bit as well, but then I know I'm going to be moving twice as much, so that doesn't exactly. Thrill me. I kind of like, like playing one on one pickleball. The times that my boyfriend and I have played against other teams in Miami have been. Interesting to say the least. So the pickleball scene in Miami is very intense, which it probably is in most places. I've heard that there's often pickleball tennis sort of like court wars going on. Yeah, yeah. The pickleballers, you know, want to take over the courts that the tennis players don't use, but then the tennis players are there and they're like, get off our courts. And there's not enough to go around. Uh, And it's, you you know, it's not like soccer where you can go in a a field and play pickup. You need a net and you need it all measured out and everything like that. And you need a proper pickleballing surface. You need to know where the kitchen is. You need to know where the kitchen is. You need to stay out of the kitchen. That's what everyone always tells me. So they, in Miami, like there have been times where we've gone to play and we've tried different places and they're all pretty similar. There's like four or five courts but there's like 50 people trying to play yeah. and they have very strict rules that are like self-governed about waiting your turn and when you can play. And if you can play singles while there's doubles going on, et cetera, et cetera. And I found that, um, instead of it being a, a, a situation where we're all kind of having fun, like we play against some strangers and everyone gets along, we tend to get like scolded or like, taught you know like i'm not going to play pickleball with people for them to teach me how to play better right if i lose i lose right and i will take it upon myself to figure out how to play better but mike these pickleballers they just want to tell me everything i'm doing wrong they want to tell me every little thing that i can do better like oh you got to get better at dinking i'm like i don't know what the hell that means and i don't care like let me just go out and have fun and so it's it's it soured the experience for us slightly. So I'm I'm sure that when we play against each other, you won't do that, um, or else it's not going to end well. I I, I will not. Um, and I would imagine from what I've seen and heard as well that these people that are teaching you are older people, right? Always. And I this, mean, this one couple, they <clears throat> kicked our asses. Yeah. Like they kicked our asses. It was like. 11 to one, like they almost skunked us and that, I'm fine losing. Yeah. Like I don't want to lose, but like, I'm right. not going to pout about it. But what I don't want to be, you know, doing is get lectured while I'm having yep. like a recreational break from work from some man who's not a family member, not a podcast co-host, just uh-huh. a random guy telling yep. me like, Oh, you're holding your racket wrong. I'm like, I don't give a shit. This is what I want to do. Let me do it. Completely agree. This is supposed to be an extracurricular activity but you got the, and it is, it's people more my age who are like this. And I haven't run into them yet. And I pray I don't because <laughs> I will, I will have no problem rifling the ball at the dude. I mean, you know, when, when we're up there tapping it, you know, at, at, you know, Dinking. right outside it's the kitchen, dinking, dinking when we're doing that. 
Um, I, I'm going to lace one at him if he becomes an asshole. I don't care if I lose the point. It doesn't matter. See, uh, it's weird because I was out golfing the other day and with, with some guys who, you know, listen to the show and stuff. We were all around the same age. And so we're doing a lot of talking. And, and the one guy asked, are you, you know, when you get out on the golf course to do this, you get competitive. Does the old, you know, pro ball player come out in you mm-hmm. and get competitive? And I said, a lot of people think it does, but it actually doesn't. When I retired in 94, I basically left all my competitive juices there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll try hard when I did stuff when I, you know, I retired when I was 32 and I'm 60, you know, did sports, you know, recreationally. And I, and I tried, you know, I tried to win if that was, the, but I didn't lose my mind. I don't have a lot of competitive nature in me right now. I'm not going to get pissed off and say, oh, shit, here we go. We got to we gotta slam it and win it. I don't, I'm like you. I don't give a shit if I get beat. I don't yeah. care. But don't, like, don't make it a bad experience. Don't right. be an asshole on the other side. Unless I'm doing something like legitimately right, dangerous. Right. Or you know, breaking the keep, rules. Keep your, right? Yeah, keep your comments to yourself. Like, Mike, I'm curious, could you ever picture yourself at a pickleball court playing against a stranger who's 30 years younger than you and telling them to change their no. technique. It's bizarre to me. No, I know I, I couldn't and, and I wouldn't. So, but, but I have heard horror stories. Listen <laughs> out here in Arizona, we know there's plenty of retirement areas out here. My mother-in-law lives in one of them. And she says the pickleball there is vicious. relentless, just exactly. vicious with these Something people. Something about this sport. I agree. Yes. And you know what? I, I, it's it's tough because it's so much fun, but something about it, pickleballers are getting a bad reputation, and everyone, the pickleball community, us included, because we are outliers yes. of it, but we're we're still part of it. We all need to take a deep breath while we're playing pickleball. There's enough court space to go around. We'll figure it out. Let's all have fun yeah. and, and yeah. share the courts and be nice to one another, um, because we pickleball we've got a bad reputation and we need to fix it all right well did, did you happen to see was last sunday or was it the sunday before the the, the pickleball agassi, slam? agassi yeah. and roddick against chang and uh mcenroe mcenroe was phenomenal as usual yeah. you know now that, that was he's, a, that was like right outside of miami like it was oh that right 20, at 20 Hollywood. minutes away it was, yeah it was at the casino where i've, I've gambled more than a few times um <laughs> But that was that was fun to watch. You know, these guys really didn't know anything about pickleball. I thought it was they maybe owned some leagues and were promoting it. They didn't. They were just out there playing for like yeah. a million dollar purse as but well, by Mike, the way. Andy Roddick, if he went to the pickleball court that me and my boyfriend went to, this guy would have told him he's doing something wrong. Well, I mean, again, there's the dude, no threshold for self-awareness. The dude needs a wiffle ball to the face is what he needs. I mean, that's. <laughs> That's just, you know, just a, oops, hey, sorry, keep, keep yapping and I'm going to do it again. Uh, but, but that was fun to watch. And I know in South Bend or in the area there, they're building brand new courts. So we'll have places to play. Uh, hopefully we can have some time when you're out well, there and we need to, yeah, we need to I do would, that. I would love that. That would be really fun. And maybe if the scarcity issue goes away, the pickleballers will play nice. Yeah. I almost yeah. rhymed. Yeah. Well, that's how, that's a, you're a poet and you don't even know it. Um, to other, other things that are very competitive out there, we've had playing games in the NBA now, not a ton mm-hmm. to talk about yet, but, um, at the taping of this, we had the first ones, uh, Atlanta beat Miami Atlanta again with this huge lead and like 24 point lead and they almost blow it. They've done that before, but, but they're now the seven seed 
Uh, so they're going to take on Boston. They're locked in. And then Miami takes on the winner of Toronto and Chicago. Uh, so those three teams are vying for the A seed. Over in the West, the Lakers won in overtime over Minnesota. I think 108-102. Lakers are now the seventh seed. They take on Memphis. Uh, and Minnesota takes on the winner of New Orleans and Oklahoma City uh, on Friday for the eighth spot. Um, and in that one, I mean, Anthony Davis inexplicably follows Mike Conley with .1 second to go on a three-point shot when they're up three. Conley just buries all three and sends it to overtime. But that was unbelievable that he fouled them. But I kind of I kind of dig the play in. You know, yeah, when, there's, was... when there's that riding on it, you know, if you're the seventh or eighth seed, the win and you're automatically in. If you lose, you still have one more chance. Mm-hmm. The ninth and the tenth seed, you got one shot. You know, you have to win twice, but you lose mm-hmm. once and you're gone. So the winner of that nine ten seed f- takes on the loser of the seven eight seed. But I kind of like it. It, it. It's 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 quick, and then it kind of ties up the rest of the playoffs. I was going to ask you that because I think it's like you. It, I agree. I I like it too. It's a newer thing, and I think it's hard to get fans to buy into newer formats, right. and especially around the playoffs. Like we like to complain about any change. We think that everything is perfect but also flawed at the same time like yeah, yeah. We, we complain about stuff and then when it changes we're like we don't like that either so as sports fans generally like, I think this is a fun format and I'm wondering like do you think that this has increased your NBA postseason game watching consumption when you have stakes like this at the beginning of the playoffs and not just when you get to like the conference finals? Yeah, I, I do. There, there's something about a, you know, th- these are these are sports like hockey, like baseball, basketball. They're series sports. So when you get to something, now the 7-8 isn't a one and done. The winner is automatically in, which is a cool thing. The loser gets another shot against the 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 winner of the nine ten seed. The nine ten seed is the one winning. You're in, losing, you're out. So I kind of I kind of like the one game, like the tie in baseball. If you have to break that tie at the end of the season, you have the one game, and everything comes down to one game in in sports that are used to series. Okay, you lost the first game. Well, you know it's still best of three or best of five or whatever, or best of seven. So you have a chance to make it up here especially the 9-10 seed, it's a one and done, lose and you, and you go home and you start your vacation. So I do like kind of the, fi- the finality of it. And it's all to set up like, you know, to go against the one and two seed where, mm-hmm. where by, by seeding you're not supposed to win. But who knows? A lot of people mm-hmm. have been talking about, especially the Lakers, they're getting healthy at the right time. As I said, they're now locked in to play Memphis, the number two seed. Atlanta's locked in to play Boston, the number two seed. So, <clears throat> we'll see how the rest of that plays out. And real quick, and you mentioned changes, and and I I don't know because it's early in the season. I really haven't become totally invested yet in Major League Baseball, though I do know uh, <laughs> what Tampa Bay is. What eleven and zero? I mean, yeah. down in down in your area there when you're down there. I mean, sort my of. gosh, uh, kind of, kind of, sort of <laughs> in the area of, but you know, pretty impressive uh, for them. They're Better than the out. Marlins, who are yeah, actually uh, in my area. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, the Marlins definitely more uh, in your area. Well, well they're five and seven, and uh, yeah, Tampa eleven and zero, so doing well. But the pitch clock, I yes. I like the pitch clock. They they said the last time the game averaged uh, the, when it was at one at its lowest was nineteen eighty five. It averaged two hours and forty five minutes. I think right now they're at two hours and thirty nine minutes, and it's probably going to continue that way. And as I said, I said, you know, when you change, this is a major change, you know, but I mean, how, how tired 
do you get of after every pitch a batter stepping out and redoing mm-hmm. his glove and scratching himself and you know and and doing all the quirks that they do but they're able to do that because they had the time to do it now they don't and as I've always said play because they've changed rules in every sport is is players get used to them you adapt you just find a way to adapt and you adapt batter has to be ready by the time there's eight seconds to go pitcher has the clock he knows when he has to throw it by so you learn and we've had some violations you know both on the pitcher and on the batter but I like it I like it the fact that that the game moves along a lot quicker yeah, I think it's one of those things. I think there's there's definitely pros and cons to it, like every rule change. But it feels like one of those things that in five years will be like, oh, my God, do you remember baseball before the pitch clock? Yeah. It was so boring. And that's been, like, the biggest complaint with baseball is that there's too many games, and some of them are, like, four and a half hours long. But the flip side of that is if you've ever been to one of those really short games, like I went to a, a Cubs game a few years ago where I think Cole Hamels threw – a no hitter and that game ended in like two hours like it was the quickest baseball game I've ever went to in my life my friends and I got there in the second inning had like a beer and then the game was over and it totally was not the baseball attending scenario that you think of when you're going to like oh we're gonna spend the afternoon at Wrigley Field we'll be there for like three hours have a few beers go out it was like that but I mean, that's like an extreme scenario. And like you said, the games are still averaging closer to three hours, which is still really long. It is long. Think about a lot of, I mean, football obviously is an outlier. Those games are are incredibly long and gameplay is pretty short in them uh, in terms of like actual action and not just, you know, play clock running off or whatever. But when you compare it to like basketball or hockey or Formula One, which I love because it's only two hours long. Uh, it's still on the longer side. It's still a slow, kind of quiet game that builds. And I, I, for one, am a huge fan of the change because I have always thought that, like, especially the ends of games, they drag out so late that I can't... My, you know, people like me, young people, we all have a addiction to short form video in our phones and our attention spans are not probably what they should be. I didn't want to say it. I'm glad you (laughs) said it. It's true. I will say it about myself. I am the type of person that will be doing the crossword puzzle while I'm watching something on Netflix, while I'm, you know, online shopping on my computer. Like I, my attention spans all over the place. So for me having a, a batter come up and have a certain amount of time where I know I'm going to see the pitcher throw the pitch and I'm not going to zone out and then, Oh, I didn't missed it. What happened? Like that sort of thing happens to me watching baseball. Uh, maybe I need attention deficit disorder. No, I, I but think, it's, yeah. it's better this way. Yeah. Your whole, you're right. Your whole generation is like that multitask <laughs> at all time. It blows my mind. There are, there are times around the house here when I have to use my Apple watch to find my phone. Cause I don't know where I left it. You know, cause, I can't you, imagine. I know, but I mean, that's, I, I'm just not on my phone all the time. Speaking of rule changes, so I'm wondering, it's kind of a, a quick question, of what was some, one of the best rule changes in any sport? If, if I had to look at one, I would say, because some are really obviously big-time changes, this is because baseball is a sport that had no clock, right? I mean, it was freewheeling. There, there was no no clock, and now we have a clock, at least in the pitching, uh, to look at. Uh, we, we've seen a number of, of changes in a lot of sports, but to me, the one that maybe helped the sport the most was basketball and the shot clock. 
Because remember before, well, you probably don't no, remember before don't. the shot clock. I mean, <laughs> Wasn't that like you, the 1970s? You, you would have, <laughs> Jess, you would have teams literally playing, you know what four corners is, the four corner stall. Basically, a team would get a lead and with no shot clock, they would get in the four corners on their side of the, of the, the, the court and just pass the ball around. And you'd literally go minutes without a shot because there was no shot clock. A team had a lead, and they were just trying to stall. It was, and that's all the basketball yeah. we knew at the time because that's how it was played. So all of a sudden now the shot clock forcing you to shoot the ball I think has been one of the great changes to a sport to make it more watchable. Because let's also remember the NBA in the 80s was, they were, you know, the, the – uh, the, especially the early '80s, the F- NBA Finals were on t- on on tape delay. I mean, it was it was kind of a dying um, sport a little bit. And I got reminded of that. I did see the movie Air about the Air Jordans, and it takes oh, you yeah? back to. I was a senior at Notre Dame when this was all going down, and Chris uh-huh. and I were there, and it was really kind of reminiscing about those times and what was going on. I think that was a, one of the best changes in in all of sports about like one change that really really helped the game. I, I, I look at the shot clock as one of those. Well, okay, two things. First thing, my dad always tells the story about how there was no shot clock in college basketball, and he asked Digger Phelps once at Notre Dame, like, do you think there will be a shot clock? And Digger's like, no, you're an idiot. And then, like, a year later, there was one or something like that. I don't know Did the Did your exact... dad go talk in his face and say, Digger, who's the idiot now? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the exact lore of that story, but my dad loves to talk about it. Um, uh-huh. The second thing is I read a story recently about an Oklahoma high school basketball game because high school basketball doesn't mandate right. shot clocks right. because I something I never thought about, but shot clocks, you need someone to operate them, which means yes, you need to pay person. someone and yep. or at least a volunteer to do it. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, it's not just like it magically appears out of right. thin air. Like you have to put some infrastructure behind it. But there was an Oklahoma basketball game a couple months ago, and the final score was four to two. Yeah. And so this Horrid. conversation came up and people were talking about like, okay, it's finally time. We have to do this. We have to invest in it because you can't have a four to two high school basketball game. That's absolutely bonkers. Yeah, it was, it was Jess, it was awful. And I, and I <laughs> watched a lot of that. Now I didn't play basketball, but I, I, I wrestled at, at that time, but watching basketball, oh my God. But, but again, that's all we knew. So it was normal. You were like, oh, they're going to the four corners. You know, that's what they're going to do now. And that's just what basketball was. So, all of a sudden that you want to talk about a change. Now a team has to shoot in X amount of time. And I'm glad they brought it in from everything. Obviously basketball, glad they brought it into lacrosse as well. Anything where you're forced to kind of move the action offense. Yeah. So exactly. I can give you my worst, uh, my worst role change. The one that I hate the most, and this is extremely controversial because I, I appreciate this technology in tennis but I hate it in soccer. And that is like the offsides uh, VAR technology that when now when you're watching uh, a lot of professional soccer games and there is a goal that could have been even like fractionally offsides, the players celebrate, but then there's like a two minute wait until you know whether or not it's a goal. And I hate the way that it's taken so much momentum out of like goal celebrations and I know that probably makes me sound like an old fart because I'm like, back in my day, yeah, you know, yeah. we didn't have a computer tell us who was off sides. The ref did it. But and the, the flip side of that is I'm pretty sure it's like the same kind of technology in, in tennis where now if the ball <laughs> is like 
just a tiny fraction of the way out. Right. They can do the like computer thing they and zoom in on it up. and yep, see yep. it and review it for big plays. And so I like it there. But then when they do that with the, the soccer players and you see that like a guy's like, you know, pinky toe is offsides right. and they call the the goal back. Like it, it frustrates me to no end. You know, uh, number one, um, best video review in all of sports is tennis without question. Yeah. You challenge it. They show it. It's done. Within 20 <laughs> seconds, right? And it's over. And, and you can see, everybody can see because they put it on the screen in there. They put it on TV. You can see in or out. In, in soccer, again, I don't know who does reviewing of the video, but you would think that would be something as soon as a goal is scored, if it's close, that now the NFL has that kind of that eye in the sky, that person upstairs. The sky judge, yeah. The sky judge who can look at things really quickly before it has to go to review Maybe and maybe that that's what they do already in soccer. I'm not. Positive, I think it depends so. on the league. I think right. you know different levels have different yeah. like proceeds for it. For but, it. But but anything that that takes a little more time. But but also there are some things that that confound me as well. And and this is not shocking because I've been bitching about it for years. We're replaying now everything in the NFL. Yeah. And and one play that has been destroying defenses forever is the roughing the passer. They're calling it. Oh, here we go again. It, it's embarrassing how much they're calling it. And again, at the owners' meeting, they brought up, "Do we want to make that reviewable?" And they shot it down, and then and it's not reviewable, which is bullshit. I mean, you want to talk about just not even giving a damn about the defense anymore? I mean, third and long or whatever, and you're off the field, and they call some rinky-dink, you know, foul on the quarterback and all of a sudden you got a first down. So that's one that still kind of grates at me. You're replaying everything else. Don't sit there and tell me, Oh my God, that's going to add 10 minutes to the game. It's not, it's not. You just choose not to do anything that's going to possibly benefit the defensive side of the ball there. I had to get that off my chest. I, it gave me an opportunity to eat my piece of bacon. Cause yeah, I, I saw that. So I figured I kept talking. Yeah. Yeah. It was do you like the bacon crispy? I'm a big crispy guy. I'll eat it any anyway. Really? See, I asked matter. for it. I asked for it extra crispy. Hmm. I mean, I, I like, like crispy so, bacon, but I, I also like it so like... it's almost like it's almost brittle. That if you you know handle it too tough, it'll it'll start to break on you. That's mm. how I like my bacon. It sounds delicious. Yeah, yeah, it is. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I, I just love it. I, I, uh, made a, I made a Easter frittata with bacon in it, so we got a lot of leftover oh, bacon. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of a frittata. Was it an egg white frittata? It was all, <laughs> like... Yolk and egg white. Okay. Bell peppers. Right. Spinach, goat cheese, bacon. Oh, okay. Onion. You you put you put some Tabasco over the top of that. Put some hot oh, sauce. Oh, of on course. It? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Oh my. Yeah. Okay, my mouth's watering a little bit. <clears throat> Easter uh, at your house next year. Yeah, there you go. I like that. Out in nice I'll warm AZ. Uh huh. Oh God, I hate peeps. <laughs> I hate peeps. Here I we know. go again with the peeps. The only thing yeah. good about it. A peep is putting it in a microwave and watching it explode. The only problem now is an adult. I then have to clean said microwave. Yeah, so enough. Uh, enough of that. All right. So that's what's uh, NBA's we mentioned playing games going on now. Baseball were 12, 13 games in, but we just had one of the greatest spectacles of all time in the masters. 
mm. um, which I do enjoy watching. I probably like watching of the four majors. Which one do you like best napping to? Oh, it's got to be. Yeah, it's got to oh. be the Masters. Yeah. My dog agrees. She's barking yeah. in the background. Um, I think the Masters, because it's Jim Nance and he is really good at doing the quiet golf right. voice. Right. Best, best in the business at it. Um, plus, it's always in the springtime. It's usually like, you know, kind of chilly out, rainy out. It's a good time of year to take a good nap on a Saturday and Sunday. So the thing, the problem this year was that they stopped play so many times yeah. that my nap schedule was totally thrown off. So it was unfortunate. But, um, you know, John Rahm wins it. Um, I think the rain delay probably helped him and hurt Brooks Kepka, who was in the lead going into the, yeah. you know, second half of the third round or se- second round, I guess. Yeah. It was, yeah. It, the it way you're confusing. right. It got messed up. It did get messed up. Yeah. Going into the final day of coverage, right. Brooks Kepka was in the lead, but, um, I don't know. It was, it was fun, but definitely not the most exciting tournament this year because of so many stoppages. So for me, the best one to watch is, is. We call it, it's called the Open, or the British Open. The Open, yeah, where, for where sure. because we can call that it the is, British Open. That is the one where you have. Now we had some bad weather in in Augusta with the rain, but I like the bad weather that they have to continue to play in the in wind, the Open. Yeah. The wind and it's cold. I love that. I love watching players have to deal with that. Maybe on like on a links course or something. So I love the watching the Open the most. Uh, but certainly, you know, from the tradition of the Masters, you know, I, I get it. What was interesting to me this year is, well, first, you know, Brooks Kepka, he's there. You know, I'm watching that full swing, yeah. kind of like the drive yeah. to survive the Netflix thing. Well, I was, I was and, thinking about him having the space in his trophy cabinet for yes. when he wins the Masters. And I, the whole weekend, I was like, wow, he's, you know, he yep. might get to fill his trophy cabinet. But yep. then it all kind of fell apart. Oh, it, yeah, and absolutely. I heard round. it collapsing on that and John Rahm playing well and just and just Brooks not but I, I remember in in full swing where I was watching it he was he was in a place where he said I can't compete with the top players I, my game mm-hmm. is just not there right now and trying to improve well well here he was with what a three four stroke lead at the Masters and uh, unfortunately gave that one up again by his bad play and, and John Rahm's good play but was what was the the added thing to me Jess was Live versus PGA. Was it now you couldn't really hear any of it there? I, it didn't seem like they were booing any live players, but I remember asking the question out on Twitter, not for the people that were there, but people that were watching, were you automatically rooting against the live players? And I would say 90% were, but 10% were like, no, they, you know, listen, they made, they made business decisions. You know, we have other sports where, you know, our American sports are dealing with foreign countries that, that, that treat people for shit with the NBA and China, you know, as well. And people are like, Hey, you know, we sit there and we complain about that, but then nobody, 90% nobody though. Oh yeah. They, uh, we're, we're against That's it. That's more and than I would expect. Me too. And what, what else was interesting? Did the network get on this? So here you had a 52-year-old Phil Mickelson, who I believe had the best placing of a guy that old in a Masters. And he didn't get – and his round finished well before the other guys. So there was time. And CBS didn't interview him. Yeah, I mean that was that was a little surprising to to me. That was that was kind of a 
we're saying without saying that we're not interviewed because of the, because of the live stuff, right? I mean, or, why else would Phil, they not be? Or Phil doesn't want to talk to them because of their coverage because he's got beef with guys on that network because of everything that's happened in the last year. It could go both ways. I that's don't know. That's a good point. You know what? I could tell you, listening to the pre-Sunday coverage, it, I did get the sense that they didn't want to play up that storyline. They didn't want, like CBS did not want, and, and I think I might've been watching golf channel actually. They didn't want to play that up, but they also seemed like they were really invested in John Rahm on Sunday morning. Without a doubt. I think without a doubt, that's what they wanted because all of a sudden you had Phil up there. You had Brooks up there. You had, you had a couple of live players that were up there. And yeah. eventually I think things will get worked out, you know, from, from championship world rankings and championship points and all that. Hopefully they do. Uh, we'll see, but I, I thought that was interesting, and I agree. I think there was there was kind of that kind of that undertow undercurrent of boy. For I hope sure. John Rahm pulls this thing off here because Rory, the biggest mouthpiece for the PGA, was didn't even make the cut. He had a yeah. horrible tournament, you and know, he withdrew of, this week from the from the Heritage Open or the Heritage Classic, <clears throat> which is in Hilton Head. So yeah, he's not playing. But yeah, I know I'm with you. I think there was, it also hurt them that there wasn't a real Tiger storyline. He withdrew on Sunday Boy, morning. Did you so. see him walking or limping? Yeah. And I'd imagine when you're not playing well, every injury starts to hurt a little Feels more. Worse. Yeah. You know, and it was cold and rainy and his limping, it was noticeable. We're like, okay, he's, there's no heat way he's going to finish. Because you're right. No matter where Tiger is, and we know, as even said, I don't know how many more of these I can play in. I'm really, mm-hmm. I'm only playing the the majors and maybe a couple other tournaments. So, you know, and he's still got three more years if he's going to hit the Champions Tour and start to do that as well, or if he's just going to caddy for Charlie. You know, as Charlie yeah. starts, uh, <laughs> you know, he'll get his, into pickleball. It, yeah, maybe he will. But uh, that was, I'm with you. Everybody always wants to see a storyline. You know, with Tiger Woods, you know, can he golf well? Can he make the cut? And this, uh, this was not it. Um, speaking of storylines, though, the biggest story, you know, is the NFL. We're getting ready for the the draft, so I'm looking forward. We're sorry you're not going to be out there. Me and Mike will be out at the DraftKings Studios uh, covering the draft live uh, through the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. Sorry you won't be there for that. I'll, I'll um, miss you both. And so, as we're preparing for that which is a nice mixture because Mike knows college. Well, Mike knows college and pro, you know, as, as good as mm-hmm. anybody, but covering college ball knows these guys really well. So we'll have a, we'll have a lot of a good time on that set, breaking this all down. But outside of that, the, the headline a while ago was Lamar Jackson said he requested a trade, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody was talking about it was falling apart there. I had always continued to say yeah, anything, uh, stacks of money can always build a bridge back up again. Uh, I always thought he may end up in Baltimore. And now Willie, Odell Beckham Jr. signs a one-year deal with the Ravens. Everybody thought he was going to go to the Jets and be part of that receiving crew with Aaron Rodgers whenever that deal gets worked out. He signs a one-year, 15 mil guaranteed. I I believe, I think it's 15 mil is guaranteed. Uh, He can make it up to 18 mil, whatever. It's a lot of money for and bringing in a wide receiver something they didn't do when Lamar didn't have to make the big money yet they didn't bring in a big time wide receiver but this now Odell's coming off an ACL so you know we'll see where he is but you know there was the the tweets all of a sudden Lamar talking about that signing to Baltimore just I I think more and more just what I'd said from the beginning that Baltimore did this because they couldn't come to a deal they basically Mm -hmm. told Lamar hey 
Go find your all guaranteed money somewhere. Let's see if somebody offers and then maybe we'll match it. And Lamar isn't finding that at all. So I think what I originally said is what's going to happen. He's going to end up back in Baltimore and either if they don't work out a deal playing on $32 million, which everybody is screaming, don't do it. And I'm always screaming the other way. I'm not turning down $32 million, <laughs> you know, either. Well, you know. So, so you think the Odell Beckham is an indication that Lamar Jackson will play with the Ravens? I, I, and I thought so all along. Well, I mean, okay. once I, once, offers weren't coming in and they didn't have to come in right away. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, but once we weren't hearing anything uh, out there that any deals were coming about and we're seeing all the teams that need quarterbacks kind of either filled it or looking to the draft to do it and starting over again and goes back to what we said earlier. They don't want to pay this monster guaranteed deal. And is Lamar going to settle for a non-guaranteed deal? Because it doesn't look like he's getting a guaranteed one unless he were to do the Kirk Cousins thing and do a shorter deal for all mm-hmm. guaranteed money. What did Kirk do? A three-year, 84 mil, I think, was all guaranteed. So it would have to be a shorter deal for all guaranteed or a longer deal and not all guaranteed. And I do. I, I just I think it's going to be back with Baltimore. And I think those two, you know, with, then throw Mark Andrews in there and they always have a running game. We'll see what this team can do. But uh, I'm sure Lamar has been pretty disappointed with with the, the field of how it's looked out there and – like I said, at the end of the day, it's hard for owners, the billionaires, not to win in certain battles. And Well, yeah, they certainly have most of the like upper hand when it comes to these things. So you think do you think like a lot of this Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson uh, quarterback drama is gonna go down on draft night or shortly well, before? Well, I think for the Packers, a lot depends on do you want your draft picks now? Because uh-huh. if, you, if you want the draft picks you're going to get from the Jets now, then, or for this draft, then you got to trade them before the draft. Which, as it gets closer to the draft, if that's what Green Bay wants, the Jets, you know, are in that leverage position of, hey, if you want some picks for the draft, take what we're offering or, you know, we'll wait and you're not going to get them for this year. So they both can have a little bit of leverage, but as it gets closer to the draft, the Jets, you know, might, might be able to look at that and say, let's try and get what we can get if the Green Bay wants some of these picks for this draft, mm-hmm. which I which I would imagine that they do, but you know, it, it's just coming down to compensation. They'll figure it out. Yeah. One's high, and the cap one's hit low. too. Yeah, is exactly. Change. So yeah. I, I think they'll figure that <clears throat> all out. The interesting other news that came out was that supposedly the Patriots were shopping Mac Jones in the off season. Interesting. <clears throat> and we see how well that worked. You got no takers either. The asking price was too high, or teams were like, "No thanks," you know, because. He came out of the gate strong and has really kind of cooled since mm-hmm. then, you know. But, uh, you know, the Bailey Zappi era began in 2022 and is it, only up from here. So, so I'm wondering, and, and I'm just, I'll just ask the question now, and maybe next time we can look at them all and see who has the worst quarterback room in the NFL, Right. I mean, you're basically we're talking basically we're talking starter and backup. You have the third string quarterback, which I hope also that they're going to let a third quarterback dress and not count against the roster, so we don't run into two quarterbacks getting hurt. You got to put a halfback in it, quarterback. Mm. So I think it's ridiculous. But listen, I mean, do you start right in that room with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi? I mean, <clears throat> if we're looking at play of just last season what do you do with the russell wilson jarrett stidham quarterback room i guess i have 
I guess I have too. looking forward to this year. I have more faith that faith that Russell Wilson will come back a little bit yeah. to what he was, right? Um, more than maybe Mac Jones. So, so that's a that we'll, we'll make that a little project for everybody out there um, to to see what they think uh, about what's the worst quarterback room in the NFL. Uh, New for England's the got Derek a, Carr trade. I think you know the Saints could have been up there. So you have Derek Carr and Jameis Winston if he stays there. Yeah. I don't think I don't think that's that's certainly not before, worse than Mac Jones. Before the exactly. trade, I, I think yeah. so. Yeah. And yeah. Now it's not really in contention. So we'll we'll see like we'll see like where the Texans are because then after yeah. the draft you're going to throw in rookies. So all right, I'll work I'll work on it. We'll we'll work on that and uh, and congratulations uh, lastly in the NFL to Cliff Kingsbury. So got that quarterback coaching job at USC. I mean, still an amazing thing where a guy fails as a head coach in college and falls up to be a head coach in the NFL. Yeah, and, uh, and ends up back at USC somehow. And by the way, in the meantime, got himself just a banging house in Arizona. Yeah, I mean, remember we got bad. to see all that during COVID when he was hanging out at his house. It was an awesome place. And well, now I'm glad back he came the- back from his like trip to Thailand where he was yeah. – apparently like incognito mode for three yeah, weeks exactly so so it's lincoln riley the head coach at sc kingsbury the quarterback coach that's great news for caleb williams you know who's be the presumptive number one pick in next year's draft uh so we'll, we'll see how we'll see how that one goes but uh cliff is uh, after his leisurely stroll uh, out of the country he is back but and how much Jess- how much do you need a quarterback coach when your quarterback already won the heisman like well, I guess like anything else, there's always <laughs> things to improve upon because, yeah, that's fair. you know, especially to the next level, because, you know, we've seen plenty of Heisman winning quarterbacks not be able to play in the NFL. I think this kid will. What if he uh, gets he is, worse? Like, I would be. I wouldn't would that be, be something? I would yeah. be afraid to don't don't, uh, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, that will Let because that, that's a cook. Those are power names with Lincoln Ryland <laughs> and Cliff Kingsbury that all of a sudden are, are now coaching you. So. Pretty interesting. So uh, we'll keep talking as we get closer to the draft. But let's get to the uh, the NBA draft. It was in interesting. Was in Soho. I didn't know w, uh, that WNBA was, draft. A w, I'm sorry. The W and the NBA draft's coming up pretty soon as well. But the WNBA draft uh, was a few days ago. As, as again, the taping of this, I, and I, I I didn't realize it at the time until I saw it pick after pick. Dallas had like four first round picks. <laughs> I mean, my God. Yeah, I I think the Fever also had a a number of of first round picks too. I look I, the thing that's always crazy about the WNBA draft is that there's so much talent coming out of college and there's so much talent in the WNBA, but the rosters are smaller and yeah. there's not as many teams as in the NBA. So the training camps are incredibly competitive, and so you don't always know like on draft night who's going to be playing where when when the opening day happens. So. Um, it was fun to watch. I know it got like, you know, half a million people watched it yeah, and yeah. that, you know, shocker when you, when you put something on TV, people want to watch it if it's, you know, a good product. And I think the other thing that like helps with that is that, you know, it's five days after the final four. So there's just a ton of momentum for, you know, seeing where the college athletes go in the WNBA. And I, I think the timing of it is, is pretty fun because it just happens so fast. So congrats to Aaliyah Boston. She was the number one pick by the Indiana Fever. You're right. They had pick number one uh, and pick number seven as well. Dallas had picks three, four, five, and 11. 
and like you said, with the with the smaller roster, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, could first rounders not even make your team? Uh, it's going to be pretty wild. But Diamond Miller went second to the Minnesota Lynx mm-hmm. as Maddie Segrist. She was a leading scorer in the country, I believe, right from Villanova. Mm-hmm. Went yeah. to Dallas as well as Stephanie Soares went to Dallas as well. So. I, 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 I enjoyed watching that. I always enjoy watching Holly Rowe do her thing mm-hmm. uh, at these drafts. She's, uh, I, I worked with Holly, Jess, when I first got to ESPN. Holly was, uh, when I was doing college ball, uh, Holly was a sideline uh, for when I started out doing college ball. So Holly and I go way, way back. She is, uh, I, I love her. She, she's fantastic. But uh, She's the, truly the perfect person for that job. She is. She is. She, she absolutely is. But they did a nice job. Um, so, so that's over. That season starts soon. NBA draft is coming up soon uh, as well. So things continue to go as we, as we get into, at some point, the quiet part. Uh, when we have to do these pods, it's just like when we're doing radio, when you get into when there's not really a lot going on, mm-hmm. uh, what to talk about. So when that when happens... We talk about Outer Banks. That's exactly right. It's exactly awesome. where I was going. Okay. We talk First, real quick, do you watch Succession? I do. Did you see the last one? I'm not caught up. I know. I heard it was crazy, and I, somehow it hasn't been spoiled for me yet, so don't do it, Mike. Please don't Cause, do it. Because if you had seen it, I was going to ask the question... Are we three days past when it was on at the taping of this? So can we do a spoiler alert? Obviously, we cannot because of you. I'll catch up. I promise. Jess, this was never, ever, ever saw it coming. Okay. Did not see it coming. All right. And and I thought the way they did it was really, really good. So it's... I'm scared. And and boy, what it sets up, you know, for the last... Because again, this is the last season of it. Um, so, okay. All right. So I won't say, we won't say anything about we'll that. We'll save the succession in the Outer Banks for when, you know, the, well, next week. We'll save it for next week. We'll save succession. I don't succession. think I can wait any longer. No, no, no. You got to watch it. And so you did see <laughs> Outer Banks. So we talked I know. About my priorities our, are shit. So listen, we've talked, and everybody out there, you know you do it. You've watched a series, be it on Netflix, Showtime, HBO, Hulu, Apple TV, whatever, that has sucked. But it, it sucks you in so much, though, that you have to watch it and get to the end of it. And we've all been there, and Outer Banks is clearly one of those. It is, every time I watch it, I say, why am I watching it, yet mm-hmm. I cannot turn it off. Yeah, the, the finale was truly unhinged. I, it left me with more questions than answers. Um, when you told me before the season started that the characters would end up in South America, yeah. I thought to myself, surely he's mistaken. He just meant they were in you know, the Bahamas or Barbados or wherever they are in the nope. first episode. But no, they actually went to South America. And, yeah, my- and did, didn't need passports either. <laughs> the, okay, well, let's just get into it really quick. I'll give you I'll give you a couple minutes on my thoughts. So okay. they they go. And this is a spoiler for the finale of Outer Banks, which is for, a, for a the- show that no one should watch and yet everyone should experience. Yeah. I can't imagine how at the finale of this show they go to South America. They're in the jungle. They find the lost city of El Dorado. There's like a cave made of gold. All of these people die brutally in the final episode. And these six 17-year-olds who should be in school and aren't survive. 
they also yes they took a private jet there which apparently they didn't need you know a flight manifest for because none of them had passports they were able to go through immigration or customs in whatever country i don't think it was specified that they were in um and all of this all these people get shot they get killed they (laughs) my favorite part was they they dug a grave for one of the characters who died in the same day like it, they did like kind of a montage and they buried him and then they like yeah. left and my boyfriend's sitting next to me and he's like i've dug a trench before a pretty deep trench and it took me and my friend yeah. an entire yeah. day with shovels to do it these kids don't even have shovels so, so there's just the point is there's a oh. lot of things that happen that are unfathomable you think and then they do an 18 month time jump and they're all getting honored for finding the lost city of El Dorado. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah. hang on a second. How are like how are we not going to explain how they got back to North Carolina without uh-huh. passports? How all of these dead bodies were found in their wake and none of them have been arrested or charged with crimes. Like they have done so many things that are just unfathomable to me, Mike. And then they're like getting honored in their hometown. And it just made me fucking angry oh oh it's crazy i mean they're 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 killing mercenaries i mean these 17 year olds (laughs) are taking out mercenaries i mean it's it's batshit it it is and you're watching you go why am i watching this what am i doing and yet (laughs) and yet at the end i'll ask you what i asked what i what i asked you a while ago when it ended do you think it ended or do you think we're getting another season because as soon as I heard, as soon as they showed that man, give them a yeah. look. I yeah. said to, I said to Lee, Schrodinger's creepy old man. He's coming back. Some, he's got something to do with this ending. And he did. And he, as soon as he said the words, Edward Teach, I turned to Lee and I said, Blackbeard. They're yep. going to try to find Blackbeard's treasure, which is yep. buried somewhere along the Carolinas, which is, you know, let's get, let's maybe keep the show in the Outer Banks next year if, if it comes back. And maybe... Maybe I'll tune in and watch it. See, what am I saying? Like, stop me. So here, but here's the thing, Jess. I don't know how many seasons it was. Is it four? We invested, we invested three seasons. 30 hours. You know if there's another season, we're going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. But why? I don't want to. I don't either. I don't either. I don't Uh. either. I've never seen them do normal kid things yet. It's been, uh, so... They're insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just it's crazy. So if you are crazy. watching it, enjoy. You know, I mean, and Godspeed because yeah. I have no idea why you're just watching tweet, it. Tweet but me your thoughts. <clears throat> I'd like to know also what other series out there that you just hated, but you had to keep yes. watching. You just me too. like I said, there's another one called Wrong Side of the Tracks. I've never even heard of it. That that is on Netflix. That I finished this current season. I don't know if there'll be another one. I, I, I don't deep dive these things like, like my son Mike does. So I have no idea if there'll be another season. But it's another one every time I was watching it. I'm like, what, what am I doing? And yet here I am on it, watching it over and over again. So we all have series like that. I have too many of them, I think, like that, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> uh, I'm glad at least we get a respite from Outer Banks for at least a little while. I, I need it. I need a break. But yeah, I, yeah I'll be back. I yeah, hate to say yeah. it. I think back. we both will be back. And and you know what? You and I will be back to do another podcast at, uh, yeah. at some See point. Yeah, see you next again. week. Well yeah, said. we'll we'll do that. As long as I can, you know, I, I'll 
I'll send you, you know, gifts and wines and things to try and, you know, <laughs> make you choose me over Kate Fagan. Sounds like I'm going to go play pickleball. I'll see you later. With Kate? <laughs>